Hey, welcome to Standing in Faith. We have a full house today. I'm in the studio with Jeff. Here I am. Rochelle. Good morning. David. Hey. And John. Morning. So today we would like to talk about the apocryphal writings. And I'm going to open up with a question of what in the world is an apocryphal writing? Well, technically, it's it's writings that weren't scripture, but the Jews felt they were important writings, but they weren't necessarily like the word of the Lord. So they were they weren't destroyed; they were just kind of saved aside as also important writings. Do you have a definition for apocrypha? I think it means hidden yeah. away. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. So the Jews wrote some things that are not included in our Bible or are included in our Bible? None of the Apocrypha is included in in the Protestant Bible. It is included in the Catholic version. Okay. Okay. Um, The Jews left out all of the Apocryphal writings, but they also said it's good for reading. They didn't condemn them as heresy, they just felt like they didn't fit into the canon as it was. Um, and so when the Protestants came along, they, they decided they liked that idea too um, and sided with the Jews and kept the 39 books along with the New Testament. So what are some examples of apocryphal writings? There's the book of Sirach, which is in the Catholic Bible, and the prologue to the book of Sirach basically says itself is not scripture, but it's just like a good, if you read the prologue, it says, uh, many great teachings have been given to us through the law and the prophets and those that followed them, and for those, we should praise Israel for instruction and wisdom. Now, those who read the scriptures must not only themselves understand them, but must also, as lovers of learning, be able, through the spoken and written word, to help the outsiders. So anyway, it, just, it goes on and describes why this person translated it, but it's not saying it's scripture. I love that example because our own outside scripture references will even reference the canon itself. Canon literally just means the measuring by which we judge things. And so even in that, he's saying this is a measurement, but not of the way God would say it. Like he's clarifying that. And I feel like even scripture itself and that which is canonized, this, the Jewish people sat around and didn't just be like, mm, I like this. I don't like this. Oh, You put two Jews, two Jews together, you get three opinions. That's classic Jewish thought. So there was a lot of discussion and a lot of planning and yet there were so many good historical, Josephus talks so much about all these wonderful historical books and references. And not only that, but the cultural relevance, being able to understand their people through various cultures and wars and oppressions. These letters, these writings, these books give us a huge insight into what was going on in the culture, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't hit the criteria of the canon. You know, and we keep using the idea that, well, these were Jewish Bible, and then there's, quote, Christian. No, really. With the exception of only a few books in the New Testament, it's all Jewish. They were all Jewish authors. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Messianic authors. So, uh, you know, we, we have to be careful with that. Like, because there's this, you know, anyway. But one of the things, too, is you've got to understand that the apocryphal writings are good. They're historical. And I love I love. There's some I've read and I like. You know, I enjoy them. But there's even some that aren't included in that that are good, like the book of Jasser. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. I like it because it gives historical stuff, and it's actually quoted in, in the, the Bible, New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Um, it gives background into Abraham, and you know, because nobody thinks about the fact that Noah lived what six hundred years. Mm-hmm. So he overlapped with a lot of these guys. Um, Abraham, yeah, yeah, Job, where all these guys yep. got they, they lived for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. They probably all knew each other. Uh, well, that's where you know they sat at the feet of Noah and learned you know a ton of stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, probably the the books of the apocrypha that I was most aware of are the Maccabees. Um, what I wasn't aware of is that there was four Maccabees. Mm-hmm. I always thought there was three. I'm not sure why. Um, two? There's only two in the Apocrypha itself. And there's three and four and then there's also. Three and not four accepted that were not by... added in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, that was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that there was four of them. Um, so that was interesting. Um, so I just want to – I'm going to make a statement. If I'm wrong, somebody correct me. But I think the Apocryphal writings – were Old Testament writings. Yes, Old Testament era. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it was the same time frame as what we would call our Old Testament. Um, it was not New Testament writings. They were pre-Matthew, essentially. The 400 silent years from Malachi to our gospel of Matthew. Um, Josephus has some quotes where he says that there were no more prophets. There were no more apoc- like real writings that had the voice of God and that they could recognize that. And yet they heard people speaking stories, sharing stories, using culture and history and development to share things that God was doing. But Josephus himself, who was not a Christian. Who is Josephus? He's a, a Jewish historian that is probably the – we have the most of his writings and his reference points and his consistent throughout – I think it's like – Correct me if you guys know. I want to say it's about 50 A. I'm sorry. Yeah. 50 AD to about 60 or 70. I'm sorry. 50 BC to about 60 AD is where we find his writings very, very prevalent. It's everywhere. Josephus was like the guy recording everything and saying, this is what we have and this is what we think about it. This is why we think about it. He even considered himself a non-religious Jew, that he was above biases he and talked about Jesus. He talked about Jesus, mm-hmm. he, what it was doing to the culture. So he talks about the Apocrypha as this like entertainment, the comic book of the day. He didn't say that word, but it was the word that people, the common book in your house, the stories. I think of it as Netflix, like <laughs> a way of interpreting things in, in that culture. Even in First Maccabees 9.27 mentions, it says, so there was great distress in Israel. Such had not been since the time that the prophets cease to appear among them. So even Maccabees is referencing that silent period. Exactly. And and that's one of the reasons why uh, it was not put into the Jewish canon. That very same thing that, that they're both talking about was it was written after the prophets in that in-between And writings. Mm-hmm. So that's why they didn't include it in the canon. 
because it they felt like Malachi was the the last word that God said. All this other stuff was historical. It was good, had rich stuff in it. Uh, like they said, it's good reading. Okay. So we've kind of touched on it, but for for our listeners, why is why is it important to understand the Apocrypha? I guess if someone came at you, an unbeliever, with an accusation of the idea that there really is no word of the Lord, period. There are no writings or prophecies that are from God, that it's just all a bunch of people just making stuff up in rooms and, you know, having meetings and or whatever, or just you trying to manipulate people because people might have that worldview that there is no there is no God anyway, so there would be no word of the Lord. So I think that's where we say we know our, we trust in our canon because we can go as deep as God will allow us to go in studying what was the criteria, what was it that these God-fearing men and women sat around and said, this is, this is consistent. The prophets are prophesying in multiple places throughout our history, and it's being confirmed by two or more witnesses. We need to write this down. God is speaking. And then all of a sudden, people started saying stories. There's a story of Jesus um, as a teenager playing with a dead bird with some mud, and he rubs the mud on the bird, and the bird takes off, and everybody all of a sudden sees it, and they're like, wait a minute, is he the Messiah? And he runs into the woods to hide. Well, we didn't accept that. That's part of the Apocrypha. That's a story that leads you down a road that says, where was Jesus all those years? It leads you to confusion. It leads you to, well, what did they say? Why isn't he recognized as the Messiah as a teenager? These took us away from the truth of the gospel. This took us away from the deity of God. So there are very important teachings here that we can trust that there's canonized criteria. Now, on the question that you said, Jeff, you said not why do we trust our canon. You said, is there something we should know about the Apocrypha and why? I, I personally do feel that when somebody asks me if the Apocrypha is God's word, I can share with them the historical and the, the criteria that makes, makes it that it's not Scripture. But if you don't have the time to study all that, you can be confident in knowing that the, the Apocrypha itself is not the same kind of literary, authoritative, the, theological. Like it has to meet certain things. It has to say consistently with two or more witnesses the same thing that the rest of the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And the Apocrypha does not do that. I go back to what David said that to know the fraudulent is not to study the fraudulent. It's to know the truth. Yeah. And the more we know his word, the more we recognize the things that are not of him. And so if we spend our whole life as a, as a believer in Jesus studying the Apocrypha so that we can talk about it, you're going to limit yourself in how much you actually know of the true one, mm-hmm. Jesus. So I personally don't find the Apocrypha to be the most important or very important part of my Christian walk. Yeah. The Word of God is. And it is dangerous. You know, on the History Channel, they make their highest ratings from the hidden books of the Bible, mm-hmm. the Dead Sea Scrolls, are they truly the Word of God? And so there's something, follow the money. Like there's a profit in confusing. Prof, it is profitable, not profit as in a profit. There is a money you can follow when people want to criticize the, the word of God. Mm-hmm. And if there's a way they can do it, and if they can use even the ancient texts that are not considered canon to get you off of the scriptures itself, that's a, that's a win for the critical spirit, for the spirit that's not of God. Yeah. So I personally don't find the Apocrypha to be important for Christian 
development and sanctification and walking with Jesus and knowing the voice of God, I find it to be entertaining in a historical reference kind of way. Yeah, I I think that I think that like it like Luther said, like all these others said, it's good reading, but it doesn't fit the criteria to be the word of God in, in as far as scriptures and all that kind of stuff. It it fills in the blank of 400 years without a prophet in a sense. I didn't mean there weren't people that prophesied, but there were no prophets like Ezekiel, Isaiah, all those kinds of guys. And really, uh, John even slipped me a little piece of paper saying, well, um, reckon why 400 years? Well, it was actually prophesied that there would be this period of time that that people would go to and fro about the earth looking for the word, a word from God, basically, and it wouldn't be there. There would be a famine of the word of a God. A famine of it, yeah. I heard a teacher once say, if you saw the biggest quilt you've ever could imagine and you saw one red string that went from the very top of the quilt all the way down and it took you years to get from the top to the bottom of that quilt, that's what our scripture is like. And you know it and you can see it. And it's a great piece of art. And when something doesn't fit and doesn't have that red string, the seed moving into it, you know it's not of God's word. It doesn't mean it's not interesting or helpful or historical. We've got to find the thread that matches. We as in the forefathers of our faith, those who got entrusted with the Word of God. Well, let me let me just say one more thing. I think that that you know, there. I remember in school they would talk about there were additions here and this and that and the other. And I had an old Hebrew. Um, he was an Old Testament uh, uh, professor. Fantastic guy. And, you know, somebody said, well, I, I, I heard that, that, you know, like in Psalm 51, there's a whole thing that they said, oh, that was later added on by the priest to make, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he just stopped. He says, you know what? He says, I don't care if there's add-ons or not add-ons. It's there. Deal with it. I always like that. It's there. It's in the, it's in the book. Deal with it. Um, and it doesn't change the narrative. I keep going back to that, and that's the thing that's important. None of this stuff changes the narrative of that. I've always called it a golden thread through the through the quilt, in a sense, a red thread. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's, good too. it's the it's the golden thread of salvation that is written from Genesis in the beginning to Revelations, even so come you know, or so forth in, in Revelation. It's that golden thread of his salvation woven through the whole whole Bible Consistent. that does not lose its flavor. I don't care if you came up and said, oh, there's hidden books, there's this, there's that, and the other, which they're always trying to do. It does not change the reality of what God's plan is and what he had from beginning of time, before the foundations of the earth, what his plan was. That never changed. So they keep looking at me because I haven't said much. And uh, the fact, I haven't studied this, but I've been sitting here thinking. And here's my thoughts. If you're so curious about the Apocrypha and all these hidden writings and everything, maybe you should... We, I'll just say, I won't 
won't put any burden on you. I won't, what do you say, don't should on me. Yeah. I'll should on me. If we read the canon, the 66 books that we do have, if we were to study them, I like what Rochelle said. You uh, bank tellers don't learn That's to right. tell the counterfeit by studying counterfeits. They learn to tell counterfeits by studying real bills. Yeah. Well, maybe if you'd invest a little more time, if I were to invest a little more time in the real thing, the accepted 66 books, then if in reading that the Lord says, hey, go glance at Maccabees or Sirach, then that would be the way to approach this rather than getting all excited about what might be or might or not confused. be. confused. And confused mm-hmm. because I was preparing for this and looking at the back and forth among the scholars and everybody and uh, my head's practically exploded last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. Just study that you will never exhaust studying the real thing. Precisely. Rochelle said earlier, the more you, well, before we went on mic, but she said, uh, go look up fractal. And then that's the Bible. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) It, It, the, the wonderful thing, and I, and I love this conversation about, you know, looking at the real thing. I went and st- studied the book of Maccabees 1 and 2, and I loved it. It was fantastic. Man, I was in there with the Maccabees, and they're, they're taking these guys down and getting their temple back, and they're just a few guys. You know, it's like watching a, a, a great show on TV, you exactly. know, where Netflix. the bad Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and they're, they're going after the bad guys. Um but it didn't, there was nothing there that actually spoke to me as the Word of God, but I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. so go read it for enjoyment if you want to. They did find a lot of copies of the Apocrypha in people's homes. That was not normal first century. The scrolls, the Word of God was in the synagogue for the most part. Yeah, because it was good. These were letters. These were interesting ideas. Good novels entertainment. That were real. Using history. Yeah. Can I share a, a two-minute story about the Qumran findings, the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah. You know, okay, so it says, As the story is told, in the winter of 1946-1947, three Bedouin of the Tamare tribe were wintering their flocks at the foot of the high limestone cliffs near the northwest shore of the Dead Sea. One of them, Juma Muhammad Khalil, tossed a stone into a hole, one of the thousands that potmarked the cliffs. With an accuracy that defied aim, it shattered a ceramic jar that was embedded in the floor of the cave below. Two days later, Juma's cousin, Muhammad el-Dabib, the wolf, returned looking hungry for, for gold. Instead, he found ten large cylindrical jars and three scrolls in one of them. A few months later, four more scrolls were recovered from the cave. Ten other caves with scrolls were to be discovered, and then archaeologists would spend five seasons exploring the nearby ruins known as the Kerbet Qumran. When the dust and bat guano had settled in 1964, 11 caves had yielded nine scrolls, either complete or with large parts intact, tens of thousands of large and small fragments from one or more, from more than 900 Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek manuscripts that had been inscribed between 250 BCE and 68 CE, or AD. 
I just love that story and that legend because it shows, and, and, I, and it goes on to say, there was nothing new in it. It was exactly what scriptures confirm. Mm-hmm. There was like 11 copies of Isaiah in one cave. None of them were different. Wow. They found other pieces of Isaiah in parts and full tact, exactly the same. And like these Jewish people were known as the people of the word, like not just in their heart and that they memorized it, but they once it was written, they preserved it. It was God's creation. It was like it came from Moses himself. So I love that because the the ones in the what they found were not all biblical and canonical. Some of the things they found were like hymnals and our rule of our community as Essenes. And the Essenes were one of four major sects of Judaism that believed that the Messiah was coming, that the temple was wrong, that that was not the true people of God. We need to separate from that and just go somewhere safe and wait for the Messiah to come. So even though they didn't know Jesus, they knew the prophecies, they knew he was coming, and they were the ones who we found in the 1960s in our almost my lifetime, just before me, People thought, what did we find? Did we find some new hidden book? No, we found the consistent Word of God. Yeah. I love that. And prior to that find, the the um, oldest copies of Isaiah in the Old Testament that we had dated to 900 A.D. or so. Wow, yeah. And, and then when they compared these Dead Sea Scrolls to those that were 1,300, 1,200 years younger, guess what? Jot and tittle matches. I love that. I love it. (laughs) By different people who did it, no errors, consistent. Our God is an artist, let me tell you. And you can tell when it's not his finger. It's his hand. It's not Mm -hmm. his hand. They call that reliability of transmission. I learned that last night. (laughs) Let's bless the listeners. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. Thank you that you are the God who sees us and you are the God who speaks to us. Lord, we know who the author of confusion is, and we rebuke him in your name and ask that you simply seal uh, the canon to our hearts, uh, that it draws us close to you, closer to you, day by day. Father, I just thank you for the jars of gold, that as we seek gold, we find your word, and that you are more than enough. You've said more than enough. You continue to speak more than enough. We call that Dayenu in Hebrew, and you just keep doing so much to reveal your gold to us and help us recognize, Lord. I just pray that if any of us are curious about the Apocrypha, that we would not be afraid of it, but that we'd be grounded in the truth. We'd be grounded in the, in the wisdom that you have given us through the time that is unbreakable and will stand forever because you are the Word. Amen. Amen. Amen.